Welcome to episode 234 of the Rugby League Republic podcast with your hosts, Tish and Dr. T. In this episode, we preview State of Origin Game 1. We discuss the New South Wales and Queensland State of Origin teams and much, much more. Join us as we build a rugby league community for all. The Rugby League Republic podcast starts right now. Welcome to episode 234 of the Rugby League Republic podcast. We aim to bring you the everyday fans' perspective on the greatest game of all. This is Rugby League for the people. I'm your co-host, Dr. T. Joining me is Tish. Tish, origin is upon us. State of origin, the pinnacle of the game, except for internationals. Uh, (laughs) How are you going this week and are you pumped for state of origin? I am pumped and I am jovial. I'm actually Bon Jovial uh, because, you know, 12 rounds of the NRL have gone. We're halfway there and Madge, he's living on a prayer um, <laughs> of a mid-season review. But we're halfway there in the NRL. Um, but now the focus is off the NRL. It's on to state of origin. Um, you know, the teams have been picked. Uh, we're like, like, yeah, we're less- for, for about a month. <laughs> yeah, for, for yeah, for about a, we're less than a week away uh, from you know from the first game and um, some interesting selections, a new Queensland coach, um, you know, a lot to talk about, and um, I think a very exciting series. I think uh, a series where we, you know there's lots of um, you know it's not uh, the the result is is in the balance. I feel like I don't think it's it's hard to predict what's going to happen, but uh, but yeah, overall, Doctor, how about your thoughts? To you, what's what's the Scale of one to ten, how pumped are you? I look. I, I can you go eleven out of ten? Because oh, that's, wow. that's how pumped I am. Wow! And that's you know, a, that's like a PCI your... rating on you, PSI rating on your car, right? That's a... that's, that's right. It's dangerous. It's <laughs> it's like it's spinal tap level excitement. <laughs> um, it is look in keeping with your eighties theme. Uh, you know. Uh, it's your Bon Jovi. I am feeling a bit Top Gun Maverick. Oh wow! You know, it's <laughs> I don't I don't even know what that means, but I just feel like I needed to. I, I just feel like I needed to you know pump up the air a bit with some Kenny Loggins. Mm. Do, they, do they have Do they have modern Kenny Loggins in in the new film? I don't know. Oh, no, All I, I know is that John, Tom Cruise barely looks like he's aged in forty years. Yep. <laughs> It's, well it's done really to weird. his surgeon, I'd say. Well, well done to Scientology for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what it's all about, isn't it? No, look, um, I am pumped up, and it is. Look, there's something about this year, you know. There's something, something is brewing. There's a lot happening in Origin. There's a lot of expectations on the Blues, but yet somehow I think you cannot discount queensland Mm. um and we're definitely gonna like dive into it in this episode of the podcast but before we do we need to look at what's gone behind us which was uh the indigenous round of the nrl round 12 so let's launch into the six tackles and review round 12 the indigenous round here we go 
right. So I'll quickly go through the scores uh, of the Indigenous round, round 12 of the NRL. The Storm, back to their winning ways, 28-8 to over the Manly Warringah Seagulls. The Panthers, 22-0 over the highly fancied North Queensland Cowboys. Unbelievable. The Cowboys couldn't even put a point on the Panthers. Um, points galore, however, in the derby in the southeast of Queensland, the Broncos, 35 over the Titans, 24. And I believe, uh, you know, a comeback of all ages, of mm. all ages there with the Broncos. Um, the Knights, 24-16 over the Warriors. The Rabbitohs, uh, at one point, were 18-all against the Tigers, and they ran away with it 44-18 to in wow. the last half hour. Unbelievable. Um, the Roosters, 36-16, to uh, putting the Sharks to the sword. The Dragons, 34-24 over the Bulldogs. And finally, the Eels, 28-20 in a, a fairly tight one over the Canberra Raiders. Now, Tish, a lot of interesting uh, results there. Um, you know, Melbourne back to their winning ways. Souths, you know, bouncing back. Roosters crushing the Sharks. The Cowboys not even able to score a point against the Panthers. What was your highlight of the round? Oh, look, for me, I think the the highlight for me has to be the the derby, the Queensland derby, the the, the Titans and the and the Broncos. Yeah, and that amazing comeback, right? Because I believe um, it was like eighteen. Like I think they were up by eighteen. Uh, the Titans. They looked like they had it in the bag, and they just capitulated. And then once the Broncos got in a roll, uh, they uh, came up winning on top and a really important win, I think, for Queensland, uh, for, for Brisbane, because it really solidifies their position um, as a top eight team, possibly even a top four team. I think they're in the top four already. Um, but just the, the fact that they're able to win without Adam Reynolds. So Adam Reynolds is, you know, was sidelined for this game. I think he's suffering for, from an injury or, or something like that. But, yeah, uh, no Adam Reynolds, but yet they're still able to, uh, you know, to get the victory. Um, so I think that was my highlight of Indigenous Round. Um, and, look, I've got to make mention of some really good, um, you know, welcome to country and acknowledgement to country, uh, you know, um, festivities and, and ceremonies and, you know, lots of lots – you know, lots of really good Indigenous uh, culture being displayed and some really uh, nice designed, uh, you know, uh, immaculate design, really, uh, jerseys, I think, from the Indigenous round. I think the NRL does a really good job with the Indigenous round and it was good to see them continue to do that. Oh, yeah, look, I agree. I think uh, that's, for me, that's one of the highlights of the Indigenous round and the NRL is getting better every year in the way that they are kind of getting the teams to... Uh, you know, create new designs, uh, special designs for a journey around. Um, you know, in my mind, the the, the highlight uh, on the field was really the the Panthers being absolutely flawless in defence. I mean, you know, they they've kind of there's been some questions asked of them recently, but they they bounce back uh, and they bounce back with a vengeance against a Cowboys team that I think should have actually performed a lot better. Um, so I don't know what that means for the Panthers. Uh, well, the Panthers are back on top, or they were already, always on top, but down there, now, now they're, uh, I think they're still four points ahead uh, of Melbourne. 
And the Cowboys, I don't know what that means for them. Uh, you know, very odd that they couldn't even score a point against the Panthers. But I think full credit to the Panthers. I think they, the way that you bounce back is really not by scoring a bunch of tries. Uh, it's it's by it's by getting getting your defensive unit gelling together. So I think that's a really good thing. One other, well, not so much a highlight, but a comment on the Indigenous round is I think I think the NRL needs to be careful that uh, the jerseys, maybe when they need to kind of have certain rules around how the jerseys are designed because uh, I was watching the Eels and Canberra match and I could barely tell the jerseys apart. I mean, <laughs> Canberra's supposed to be green-dominated jersey. Mm. It actually had more blue and gold than anything else. It, it looked like yeah. a Neil's jersey, and and I'm not sure about the other games, but definitely that one. I think mm. it was a bit jarring to see, um, you know, that that at least from the television point of view, that they look very very similar. It must be very confusing for uh, for the players out there, and and I think it, it it led to a very confusing kind of viewing experience as well on the TV. I'm not sure what it was like on the ground, but certainly on the TV, it looked like uh, the colours were very, very similar. So, yeah, that's my only kind of negative there, but I think the NRL just needs to tweak that a bit next year and just be on top of um, what the jersey designs look like and maybe set some ground rules around around uh, that, depending on which teams are playing each other. Mm. Um, Tish, uh, final word on Indigenous round, then we'll move on. Yeah, look, I think, um, yeah, look, uh, yeah, that, that is a good point. Like, I think you want to, um, you know, we're trying to identify Aboriginal culture. I don't think we necessarily need, and I think they've done a great job with that. Um, so, yeah, so having recognisable jerseys would be ideal <laughs> as well. So, but but let's hope, uh, look, I, I believe these jerseys, when you do buy them, you do, like they do go into helping out the Indigenous community as well. So, you know, if you, um, yeah, if you do, if you are looking to buy your team's jersey this year, I think picking the Indigenous jersey, um, I don't, I think, yeah, we maybe Can- uh, Canberra and Parramatta uh, look very similar, but... They're trendy jerseys that you could wear anywhere, you know. So, uh, you know, oh, they're spectacular jerseys. Spectac- uh, if you're getting married, you know, you don't need a tuxedo. You just need your NRL Indigenous round jersey. I'd say. Look, I think NRL anything uh, when you're getting married yeah. is is awesome. Uh, you, you, you know what, Anthony Al- Albanese. Next, next, you know, first day in Parliament, wear your team's jersey, mate. Show us where you are, you know. Skomo, well, kind of, Skomo's going to do that kind of thing anyway, right? But, uh, yeah, but... Uh, <laughs> Albo's going to do it as well. Let's I think Albo rock up in the... Uh, Albo rock up in the in the red and green colours. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. The Rabbitohs colours, that's it. All right. All right. Well, well, they do look like the Italian flag as well. So, there you go, the Rabbitohs colours. So, um, all right, let's move on to... Uh, obviously, State of Origin is upon us. And uh, look, before we talk about predictions, etc., let's just go through our the the teams. Um, and the first tackle we're going to talk about is uh, tackle number two. The New South Wales team has been announced. So let's talk about that. Here we go. So, New South Wales team. So, we talked about, we had our predictions last week. And uh, let's just see who has been announced and then we'll compare it to um, what we predicted. So, 
No surprises. Well, there, there weren't many surprises at all, to be honest, but there were a few which we definitely need to talk about. So, firstly, at captain, at fullback, uh, the of the side that's been announced, James Tedesco, no surprise. We both tipped him uh, as captain. Uh, in one of the wings, Brian To'o, no surprise at all. I think we both tipped him. Um, Katoni Staggs, one of the centres, has been selected. Uh, just as we predicted. So one, two, three, we we all, both of us got correct. And and then it kind of falls apart because we predicted Stephen Crichton would be the other centre. But in fact, Brad Fiddler has chosen Jack Whiten, <laughs> oddly enough, as the, the centre in the starting lineup. And he's actually put Stephen Crichton on the bench, which is really unusual. I thought we actually, I think we both predicted the other way around. Um, but anyway, uh, well, at least I, I think uh, I think you may have actually removed Jack Whiten altogether from oh, from yeah. your from your prediction. But I I thought he would be picked on the bench. But look, Freddie's gone the other way. He's actually put Jack Whiten in the centres. Uh, let's just pause there for a second. This is the first one where we kind of disagreed with Freddie. What do you reckon, Jack Whiten? Uh, has his form warranted uh, being called up as a starting centre? What do you reckon? Yeah, look, uh, uh, okay, J- uh, Jack One. Uh, look, my opinion, Jack One. I think I went a bit over the top last week, right? And I just need to make a bit of a correction because I did see him play against Parramatta, and he tried his heart out. He is a very like you know, uh, he's the he's you know he's going to give it his all. He's a hundred percent player, and you know that that kind of so he tries really good. So I thought, you know, for for him to be picked in Origin, I think it does make sense. However. Uh, the problem that I have with Jack White is that, um, you know, I'm not 100% sure he's got that X factor um, needed um, that we are sort of missing by not having Latrell and not having Turbo. Um, I don't think Jack White can make up for that with his X factor. Um, and that's why I think Stephen Crichton should be in the starting lineup because I feel like he's a better um he's going to be better at sort of uh, bringing up those moments. Um, and I think Jack Whiten makes better sense at 14 only because he could cover a lot more positions when there's head injury time, so forth. I think having him in the centres, um, I don't think you get the best out of him as well. So I really, yeah, I, I, I'm still sticking to my guns. I really don't understand. Um, I don't understand that move at all. Um, but uh, yeah, that's, so, that's can I put only a proposal? pretty. No, no, no. We'll, we'll get to we'll yeah. get to the others in a minute. But yeah. look, let me just stick on this one. Do you think just devil's advocate very quickly? Do you think he put Jack Wyden in there because he's been there, done it before? He's performed. You know, he's uh, he has actually performed in the big games. Obviously, he's a Clive Churchill medalist as well. He has actually. Um, he's got good. Defense, I think maybe maybe he's going for the defense angle compared to Crichton. I'm not sure. I agree with the X factor thing, but I wonder whether Freddie's kind of playing it safe here, given that Katoni Staggs is debuting. And remember, this is not our number one centre pairing. We've lost our centres, and so these are backups. Uh, and so he's probably thinking, again, uh, what do you think about this? He's probably thinking, let's keep it safe. Stephen Crichton, yes, he may be a an X factor, but it's probably safer to keep him in our back pocket, in the on the bench, um, and see how he goes. May, what do you think? Do you think that's probably the reason why he's done that? 
Okay, yeah. So what you're saying is that he was picked in his position, A, as a show of loyalty, <laughs> right? Because he's an incumbent. <laughs> Because he's I an see incumbent. what you're saying. Yeah. Okay. Yep. He's an incumbent. He's an incumbent. He's, he's and he's done it. He's performed at Origin level, which I don't think he he. I can't remember him winning man of the match or, or I think he's had strong games, but I don't think he's been a complete standout. Uh, you know, from my recollection, anyway. But apart from that, the the loyalty factor. You know what, um, Brad Fittler, you're a man of loyalty. You're setting the precedent, and. If that's the reason why you got for? picked, I'm happy with that. Right, and I think you want you wanting me to segue to the number five position, yes. the winger, where he has got rid of <laughs> unceremoniously dumped Josh Adokar and replaced him with Daniel Tupu, Tupo, who admittedly hasn't really performed too poorly in origin at all. I think he's performed well, but I think his form over the last few years has, I don't think you would consider him one of the most explosive wingers, but as you said, look, Adokar has never put a foot wrong in origin, although playing devil's advocate here, he has been a bit of a liability in defence. He's a bit of a problem He's always been a bit of a problem in defence and even even in big games. I wonder whether, you know, is it the Bulldogs curse? You know, players that leave good clubs to go to the Bulldogs at the moment uh, are cursed and, and don't get called up to uh, origin. Um, but look, Daniel Tupo, I think, will pl- perform admirably. He also brings an element of height which we're missing, you know, with Tarojevic not there, maybe Jack Whiten, Tupo, you know, they bring, and, and you know, Katoni and Brian are, are kind of the little fellas. They're not they're not going to jump over the crowd. Maybe Freddie's got something planned for the Queensland wingers, I'm thinking. I don't know. I mean, why would you pick Tupo except for for that, the the advantage of height? Uh, I think I think that would be a good thing. I mean, some people are saying online it's the uh, typical Freddie, you know, sticking with Roosters, <laughs> Roosters players and and favoritism and that kind of thing. I don't think it's that. I think uh, I can see an argument for for not having Adokar there, um, but I wonder whether it would have been best. He would have been best served to have done this if they lost game one, and if Adokar was considered a poor. Uh, performing poorly but he hasn't really done that so yeah so much for loyalty <laughs> to mm. someone who's performed in on the big stage almost every single time he's done everything you've asked of him um so i don't know what's going on is there something else going on that we don't know about i don't know but yeah adokar is out tupo is in tish what are your thoughts yeah well look uh daniel tupo uh eight games to new south wales two tries as a winger um, Josh Adokar, 10 games for New South Wales, eight tries. <laughs> yeah. Right. And uh, always uh, done, he's always risen to the occasion, always, you know, there's been like memorable moments with Josh Adokar. He's finished off some great tries. Um, you know, if you get a break, you just look, for, where's the fox? That's what the crowd is looking for. Where's the fox? Ready to ready to sort of steamroll his way into the try line, right? And <laughs> and 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 that's that's gone. So 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 not picked. Um, so he's an incumbent that's lost his spot. Um, not because he failed the last origin appearance that he had, where if we go back to the Whiten factor, Whiten was at 
in the halves and the halves, you know, they lost their, they lost the game and, you know, they didn't have a particularly memorable kicking game, right? Um, which, which he was sort of responsible for coming back here and Mitchell Moses didn't get picked. So the incumbent there was lost because they lost, right? Coming back here. Now you've got Josh Adokar performed well in the series last year, um, you know, did, did what he needed to do for in, in his position and now picked. Then you've got height, right? And they're talking about how hot the, the height factor versus the Queensland wingers, except for the fact that Billy Slater picked his side after Brad Fittler picked his side. So <laughs> unless, unless he already knows who they've picked, I don't think the height thing could be an excuse really. Um, so look, it just, there is another reason why, look, there is something that Brad's done to his team. So I think once we finish through the teams, I, I will, I will give you something that I've worked out with this team, which I think is what he's going for. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It is. I think it shocked everybody. And, um, I think the problem with doing something like this is that when you need Josh Adokar, um, you know, I think you've already put in the seeds of, you know, uh, a distrust with Freddie doubt. and his regime. Yeah. The doubt. There, I mean, there has to be now, right? There, there yeah, has to be this yeah. thing where, 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 whereas before it would have been like, yeah, I'll, I'll, you know, Freddie's the man. He's the one that originally selected me. I, I could trust on him. I don't think it's like that anymore. So, yeah. 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 All right. Look, let's continue on and we'll see what other kind of disagreements we may have. But, Look, uh, the halves, Luai and Cleary, uh, without question, obvious that he was going to do that. Our, our front row, let's start with the front row and work backwards in the forward. So we got Haas, Payne Haas, Damien Cook, Junior Paulo, exactly as we predicted, I believe. Yep, that's exactly as we predicted. Now, the second row, this is where it gets interesting because we both picked Liam Martin in uh, the second row. Um, he did pick Liam Martin, but he put him on the interchange uh, bench. So we were kind of close. <laughs> um, but his second row, he's picked Cameron Murray and Tariq Sims, which is very interesting. Uh, and, and I should say Isaiah Yo. So the scrum-based combination of Luai, Cleary, and Yo, he has chosen them, you know, Penrith boys, but also proven winners. So that's fair enough. Um, now, yeah, so we we were nowhere near that. <laughs> Tariq Sims and Cameron Murray. Look, I put Tariq Sims on the bench. So in many ways, I guess it's just a swap seized with Liam Martin. Um, I picked Jake Trebojevic. He has not even picked him at all, in, even in the, the extended reserve squad, which is very interesting. Um, you picked Tyson Frizzell. Uh, he has actually picked Tyson Frizzell on the reserves, meaning not, not on the interchange bench, but as a reserve in case the top 17, something happens with them. Um, look, Cameron Murray, Tariq Sims, are they the two best second rowers uh, for for this game one? What do you reckon? Okay, well, look, for Cameron Murray, first of all, the reason why I didn't have him, and probably the reason why you didn't have him is because I thought he was injured, and but he was able to come back last week, and he's been sort of uh, fast-tracked back in there. So I think both of us, if we knew he was available, would have had him in the second row. So I don't I don't doubt that. Look, Tariq Sims, I think, is a great player too. I think we're kind of blessed with lots of good second rowers. So I don't think um, – I think he could have had basically anybody. Um, so I'm kind of happy with that selection too. Um, there, I suppose, obviously, Jake 
Trevojevic is the is the guy that misses out. Um, you know, and and I didn't have him, but you did. Um, I think that's probably uh, disappointing for Jake, but um, yeah, it, this is uh, yeah. So so I think I think this is. Here's here's the thing. I, I feel like I, th- I feel like Jake would have been a better option than Tariq, if I could say that. So, um, I think Tariq's a great Ooh. player as well. So, but but I think Jake brings a little bit more of a ball playing game. Um, so I think that's probably where maybe a bit of a misstep is a little bit. But um, I suppose the main thing that I have with these second rollers is that they're not really try scoring second rows rollers like the Steve Menzies of old, right? They're not, you know, we've got some, you know, Kaloa Matongi, for example, for, for the Rabbitohs, he's a he's a threat um on the edge, but he's also a threat, uh, he's like a, a target for when you're kicking the ball high, right? Because you know, tall and can score try mm. sort of thing. And I think that's the modern day second rower as well. A bit of a like an inside center because the center's sort of split. So you kind of yeah, had, yeah. you have yeah. an outside center and an inside center who just happens to be second row these days. So I think um, I think this is where yeah I don't know if they've got that ability um, to to do that. But both these players they're not really known for that type of play, right? But they're going to give you you know thirty odd tackles a game. They're going to give you you know more than ten hit ups a game, and they're going to be very solid work workhorses. They just don't have yeah that try scoring ability. Although Tariq seems is definitely, I mean, he's an origin style player. Definitely, he's very much a passionate. Uh, mm. He will get you the yards, um, and he's tough. Cameron Murray, I don't. I think Cameron Murray is a bit small for my liking in terms of uh, he doesn't really play that role. He plays more the yeah the workhorse kind of role, which I think is great. You definitely need that. Um, I wonder whether I think. Look, I'm not a Manly fan, but I have been seeing online a lot of Manly fans n- expressing not so much surprise that Jake Trebojevic isn't there. Uh, a lot of people have actually, and I don't look. I don't really notice this. I wonder if anyone out there notices this, but there's been a lot of talk online about Jake Trebojevic being uh, giving away lots of silly penalties and mm. like six agains because he lays too long in the tackle. Um, <laughs> Now, I don't know why people have singled him out, but yeah. look, and I don't know what the stats are on that, but I think I think that was a very interesting thing when I was trying to do some research. But, you know, mm. post this uh, post this announcement, I thought, what is going on here? Something's not right. So, but yeah, it definitely, there's a lot of people saying, well, you know, this is, uh, this is probably why is because he's a bit of a liability in that sense and ill discipline, which surprised me, to be honest. But that's certainly been a very common thread that I've seen online uh, amongst Manly fans. But look, um, let's move on to, so I did say Crichton and Martin are two of the players on the interchange bench. And again, we we gave our top 17 and admittedly there are others that he brought into the squad, which we can talk about later. Uh, but if we just focus on the 17, these two names did not come up at all. Uh, they were Eels players, Reagan Campbell, Gillard and Ryan Madison. Mm. Uh, now that's on two inter- players, not five players. I know you read out a lot of names there, just to clarify. <laughs> right. Every <laughs> single one of those names were surnames. <laughs> no, okay. yeah. no, no. Um, President Reagan, you know, <laughs> Campbell, Julia Gillard. <laughs> no, okay. Um, look, basically, yeah, uh, 
uh, Campbell Gillard and uh, Ryan Madison. Ryan, Mad- there's a really great footage of Ryan Madison being told, uh, being given kind of uh, news that he made the the the, the bench uh, by a reporter. He was so ecstatic. He was so proud. It was emotional. Very so good to see. I mean, he knew he was already in the squad, obviously, but to be named on the bench means that he's been elevated and he'll be playing. And that's the main the main thing that you want to you want to see. So look, well done to Ryan Madison. Um, look, I I don't know if uh, uh, I I really don't know. I mean, I think actually Nathan Brown's been playing better than both of them this year. Uh, so I find it really <laughs> odd that the, these aren't necessarily. You know, it's good to see the Eels represented. That we've got more than just Junior Paulo there. I think that's really a good thing. But. Um, but yeah, very very odd. And look, let's. Uh, so yeah, like, do you want to have a, a quick comment about those, and then we'll just quickly talk about the reserves. Okay. Well, look. Um, congratulations to Ryan Madison getting his start, and correct congratulations to Jake Arthur, who no doubt will be playing um, his position next week. <laughs> right. But look, that seventeen. This is a comment that I wanted to make earlier. If you actually look at the teams that they play for you'll notice that out of the 17, uh, 15 of them are playing in teams that are in the top eight. There are only two that don't, uh, which is Jack Whiten and Tariq Sims. Um, And they're the most questionable selections probably out of the lot. Um, So, yeah, so 15 out of the 17 are are all, uh, you know, playing in mm, winning teams, which I think is a big reason why he's... so, So, in many ways, I think... Brad Fittler wants to sort of have that winning culture in the squad, which I understand that. And he's and he's picking the team based on form, not necessarily on loyalty, um, which gave Jack White the nod. So that's that's probably where I, I, f- I feel that there is a slight contradiction. But I think I think overall, though, I, I do see the strategy behind what he's trying to do. That's an interesting observation there. I, I tend to agree. I think that's um, probably what Freddie is doing. Uh, and definitely that's been some of the comments online as well. People have been saying, you know, what, what happened to loyalty? We're just doing – we certainly haven't learned anything from Queensland. You know, they stick to their players. But I think he's, he's probably got a sense of, you know, loyalty to certain players, uh, ones that are really standout players, and maybe to others he's – uh, he's he feels like well, you know, like I want I'm the Josh Adokar thing is still a bit of a shock because he's so well liked and has performed almost all the time very well, mm. but he does have defensive liabilities. Apparently, he's been woeful this year for the Bulldogs. I haven't seen too much of him, but um, I know that people aren't too happy with the way he's performed. But it might just be look, the whole team's been performing crap, so you can't really blame <laughs> yeah. him. But um, I guess that's part of it. And look, let me just finish off this by saying that the the reserve, so there's a replacement number 18 and then four reserves, I guess, in case of injury, et cetera. Nico Hines uh, has been named at number 18. And then underneath that, there's Tyson Frizzell, Jacob Sofiti, Joseph Suwali, and Apisai Corusau. Um all of those, except for Nico Hines, are a total shock to me. <laughs> I find really funny. I think, what, like, I mean, if you're going to bring in players who either can cover certain key positions and or you want to 
bring on to build the the future of the squad, why would you add Frizzell and Coruscant? I have no idea. Mm. Um, you know, it's not like as if we can't, you know, is Coruscant there to cover for Damien Cook? Maybe. Um, we could probably find uh, find other people who could cover him, though, uh, including uh, Cameron Murray could do the job. Um, you know, like there are others that can do the job of Cook in case he gets injured, or maybe, although maybe not. So, look, um, yeah, I find it really odd that, that some of the players that we spoke about that didn't make it um, include, uh, well, we, you were talking about Kola Matangi, mm. sorry, Koloa Matangi, and uh, Jake Trebojevic we spoke about. But look, apart from that, I think we pretty and Angus Crichton as well. I don't know what happened to him. He's mm. injured or something. Um, not sure, but not sure. Yeah, maybe maybe there's only room for one Crichton in a uh, Bradfordless team. I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> but anyway, and no Browns. <laughs> That's right, no Browns. Yeah, and no and no Addo cars. Yeah. Well, look, um, I think at the end of the day, uh, what is Bradfordless task of 2022? What's his assignment? which is, um, you know, winning series for New South Wales. So perhaps he kind of realises that Appy Corusau is the, uh, I suppose, second best ranked or, you know, uh, you know, dummy half for for the state of New South Wales. And, and the fact is that he's in a winning team. He's in the winning team at the moment. So, you know, so the thing is like, okay, when I go into camp, if anything happens to Damien Cook, Appy can step in. He will know the game plan. He will know the cause. I feel like Appy would know that anyway um, because of his time that he spends with uh, Jerome and um, and and Nathan at the Panthers. So I, I don't think that's 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 too far. I mean, Nico Hines, I get it because he he you know he was um, you know he's the replacement, and I think I think it's a good choice for that. Like you know, because a lot of people are doing the utility. Yeah, as uh, yeah, and then with the Newcastle guys, look, I, I don't think Newcastle have had the best form, and I think um, the form's been questioned about, um, you know, Frizzell and Saifedi. Um So yeah, Sawali, I do get because Sawali is a young player that they're bringing on. Uh, I don't know if it's also, I know, I know this is the you know Fitler, the Rooster man sort of conspiracy, but I don't know if it's also to sort of give Sawali a little bit of hope that he might play in origin later on this season and stop mm. him from signing to rugby union next year um, to represent Australia in the World Cup, <laughs> right? So I don't <laughs> know if that's a reason why you want to give him, just to give him hope that there's a future in him in, in, in New South Wales around the corner for him. But very interesting, this um, this squad for 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 Brad Fittler. And look, um, Brad Fittler, the reason why we got him is because, you know, we were losing series' hand over fist. We needed to do something different. Brad Fittler, if, um, you know, the worst you could say about him is that, well, uh, you know, is that he, he will do things his way and he'll do, he'll make ch- changes that will surprise a lot of people and he won't, sort of back down from his changes either. He's done a couple of experiments that have worked really well. Like I think the roaming winger role that Turbo has played, um, you know, the second fullback role, you know, the 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 centers getting in when they want. Like he's done some things like that at origin level, which I think has been fantastic. But he's also made a few missteps as well along the way. I remember the Cody Walker experiment, um, you know, when um 
Maloney wasn't in form, so he put Walker in and then Walker sort of failed. And Maloney, even though he didn't have the best um, sort of, uh, you know, go of it, you know, in club land, came in again. And then when he came in, he did perform for New South Wales and we ended up winning that series. So I do remember there were things like that where he did make some sort of positional changes here or there that, that weren't the best. But overall, he's had a successful time. And I think we've got to keep, I think, I think you know what? Let Freddie be Freddie, and if he loses the series, you know, let's let's get Kamali in or something, you know, let's get Magin. I think <laughs> what to play, honestly. <laughs> <To coach. laughs> yep. All right. Fair enough. Uh, yeah. Look, I, I agree. I think let's see let's see how it goes, and and certainly uh, he's had some. He's brought it all together last year. It seemed to work, but it seemed mm-hmm. to work on the back of uh, that that combination at the Panthers scrum base. I think mm. um, that brought it all together. It remains to be seen the absence of Turbo and Latrell. What does that mean? What will that look like? Um, it remains to be seen because uh, it's the real question, isn't it? But anyway, let's uh, let's move on to the next tackle, which is our discussion of the Queensland team. Here we go. Right, tackle number three, uh, the Queensland team. So, um, look, in contrast to the New South Wales team, I think there were quite a few more changes, uh, differences than what we uh, that we predicted compared to what Billy Slater put up. So, let's have a look at, at what uh, the main ones were. So, the first one, let's start with, well, Kalen Ponga at fullback, um, to be expected. Um on the wing, we had Selwyn Cobo and Xavier Coates, which exactly is exactly what you predicted. I predicted Kyle Felt, uh, obviously not selected. In the centres, Valentine Holmes and Dane Gagai, uh, which is exactly what he what he uh, he chose, and obviously Munster and uh, Cherry Evans at six and seven, and Captain Daily Cherry Evans, exactly what we predicted. So really. Tish, I'd have to say you got the Queensland backline exactly right. So well done. If Thank I could you. give you, <coughs> if I give you a point for it, I would. Um, but there you go. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, so let's go to the forwards now. Um, now, let me have a look. So interesting. You so uh, Billy has picked. <coughs> Excuse me. In the forwards, uh, let's actually let's start with Locke. So Ruben Cotter is who he chose, mm. um, and I think you chose him at prop. Right. I think, yeah, because that's what he plays for um, the Cowboys. So explain to me. Um, he plays prop. He's been chosen at lock. Yep, that's right. That's right. And What's, Tino is that a plays. Lock and has been picked prop. So, so has there been a mix-up on the NRL website? I don't think there's been a mix-up on the NRL website because that's the way the team has been chosen. Um, I believe there's been a mix-up on Billy Slater's end. I don't know. Or well, here's another theory. It, it, Were they mixed up at birth? Maybe <laughs> potentially, <laughs> potentially, um, potentially. What I, what I do feel like when we sort of go through this, it's a bit like um, 
you know when Bennett sort of he picks like a a seventeen, but they like you know it like they all have their positions, but he's picked them in the wrong position to keep himself <laughs> the wrong number. Yeah, I, I feel like there is a little bit like that happening with a couple of different positions, um, and I think this is what's actually happened here okay. because all right, yeah, because so we could actually you could have actually been right all along. Maybe that. Uh, well, actually, no. Sorry, you picked Patrick Carrigan, yeah. Uh, who has who Billy has chosen on the interchange bench. But anyway, let's go through um, the you know the lock. Well, the second rowers, Kurt Capewell and Felice Kafusi, exactly as predicted, which is great. Um, the forwards, the props. Well, Papali is one of them. Tick done. Um, I chose the other one as Christian Welch, which. Uh, I think we weren't sure whether he was uh, injured or not. I think he may have been injured. So maybe I was wrong to choose him. As you said, Tino, Tino with a big long name for Summer Louis um, has been chosen at one of the other props, which is unusual, but it is what it is. But here is the kicker. Um, And this, look, we chose Ben Hunt on the bench. (laughs) Yeah. and, And Harry Grant at hooker. And Billy Slater has done a swapsies. So he has actually chosen Harry Grant on the interchange bench, but he's promoted Ben Hunt to be the starting hooker. Um, what do you make of this? <laughs> um, yeah, it is. It's interesting. Obviously, it's something that neither of us have done. Um, I think what he's looking for is impact off the bench. Right, so uh, you know you're down by twelve. Uh, you need a lift, and then here comes Harry. You know, I think that's the idea, right? You know, Hurricane Harry, here he comes. You know, um, and then so you've got a bit more strike. And I think if you had it the other way, it's not like ooh, oh my god, Ben Hunt's arrived. Do you know what I mean? It's not really the same sort of impact. But I think Harry does have. Uh, he's got that impact. In him, so I think that's where he's going with that one, which I think makes a lot of sense because I think if you compare that to the New South Wales bench, you know they don't really have a Harry on that bench either, right? It's kind of just like by the numbers where they need to be. So I think it is a kind of a, an interesting move. I don't feel like Ben Hunt is been very solid for New South for Queensland as a uh, as a dummy half. He's and been very solid for New South Wales. I think you got it right the first time. But wait, that's, as <laughs> He's a been good for New South Wales. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> as, as a halfback. So, so, yeah. so there you go. Um, yeah, but you know what? If if we if Billy wanted to do this, which which I get, like you know, like I, I get where you're trying to go for, and I, and I do also get the fact that um, the good thing about picking. Uh, ben Hunt is that he's going to, you know, you've got concussions and you've got like, you know, HIAs and you've got even the bunker getting involved telling, you know, this player's got to be off for a certain amount of minutes and so forth. Um, you could cover, you could cover a lot of positions with Ben Hunt uh, in the team. Um, so, so I get that at uh, like a lot. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think that's the idea. And even if when Harry comes, um, Harry comes on, sort of thing, you can move players around. And I think you'd still like Capel could move into the centers, bring another second rower on. Um, you know, Jeremiah and then I can probably play in the centers too. So you've got you've got a, a, a lot of different options with the team that I've got. So 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 that's where I think um, Billy's made some really, you know, inter- yeah. Again, a bit left field, but. 
but interesting but choices. Get, yeah. 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 Yeah, um, I can I? Yeah, sorry. So go ahead. No, no, I was going to finish off the inter. Like you were talking about the the way he's going to use them, but I actually didn't announce the interchange yet. So Harry yeah. Grant, Lindsay Collins, Patrick Carrigan, and Jeremiah Nanai. Um, I've, I am not too inspired by this bench compared to the. Well, I mean, as you said, even the the New South Wales bench isn't that. You know, apart from Crichton, I don't know if you've got you're going to have that explosive. Like I don't know what the others bring really. Uh, in the Queensland bench compared to, um, look, <clears throat> I don't know. Let's. It remains to be seen. Um, but I back to the Ben Hunt thing. I just my last comment, and I'll hand over to you. Was uh, Ben Hunt? I believe is actually leading the Dally M Awards at the moment, isn't he? The points, mm. um, which some people have said. Well, you know, I guess it's easy to do when your team is not going very well and you're you're consistently the best player in that team. They're virtually you're virtually guaranteed to pick up a couple of points here and there, um, and and I think that's what's been the case. And and so I wonder whether, you know, so in contrast to Freddie, where he's actually chosen. Have you done the stats on how many uh, of the bottom eight has has uh, uh, Billy Slater chosen? It's hard to tell, but maybe maybe we're looking at this wrong, Tish. Maybe it's not that Freddie has chosen players that are in the top eight. Maybe the best that we've got in each position in New South Wales happen to be winners that are yeah. consistently pushing their teams into the top eight, whereas Queensland really does not have a strong a strong enough squad. But here's the problem is that when you put them together, uh, you know, they grow, a, a, they grow 10 feet when, uh, you know, they grow 10 inches or whatever it is uh, compared to what they normally do in club land. And that's always the case for Queensland. So I think, you know, you can't really measure Queensland in the same way as you just measured um, uh, Brad Fittler in New South Wales. But anyway, that's my comment. But overall, you were, you were talking about the way Billy might use uh, – maybe we'll stick – in terms of game plan, maybe we'll stick to the predictions bit. Mm. But in terms of the team itself, uh, yeah, any comments on, uh, I guess, the interchange bench? I, I was going to go through very quickly the reserve. So the replacement is Tom Dearden and, the, and number 18. Then we've got Jai Arrow, Thomas Flegler, Hamiso, Tuboy, Fido, and Murray Tell. Tolagi, who are the rounding out the the twenty two, um, but really the focus is on the top seventeen uh, who will play. Uh, yeah, Tish, what are your thoughts overall about this Queensland squad? The first one that Billy Slater has chosen. Yeah, well, look, I think um, yeah, he's a lot of people have been saying he's been he's picked a traditional team, uh, a traditional New South Wales, uh, sorry, Queensland team. And I think there is a lot of, uh, you know, tradition. You know, you've got Dan G- Dane Gagai, who's been there a long time. You've got Valentine Holmes, you got there a long time. You've got um, Samoan Josh Papali in there. Um, you know, you've got, um, you know, debuting Jeremiah Nanai after 16 games and from the, you know, the great town of Henderson, New Zealand, which is, I believe is uh, southern Queensland. Um uh, you know, so so I think a very traditional Queensland team, you know, from all over the world. It's uh, it's it's a, it's a great lineup. All right, well, let's get into the actual game prediction. So let's launch into tackle number four, shall we? Here we go.
right. Uh, origin predictions. Now, we're going to talk about game one first, and then I'll, I'll uh, get us to put our money where our mouth is and predict some elements of, uh, well, the entire series as well as some elements of game one. Um, but let's talk about this game. So, look, you know, one thing I do say when I compare the New South Wales and Queensland teams for game one is uh, there, there is one key metric, only one, where I believe Queensland is uh, is dominant over New South Wales. Can you guess what that is? Impact well, in my off opinion, the bench. No. Okay. No. <laughs> Uh, it is mullet power. <laughs> yeah. Because definitely. we've got Jack White, and I believe this is why Jack Whiten was called into the squad because we would have had zero players with mullets. And I'm not counting the beautiful mane of locks of hair of Jerome Luai and Brian Toro. I'm talking about true blue mullet where you've yeah. got uh, business up front, partied out the back, yeah, uh, that kind of thing, proper mullet. And we have two in the in the forwards for Queensland, bringing it. There's Tino, and there's obviously the the big Josh Papali, who uh, really makes up for. I mean, he's the mullet of all mullets uh, at the moment. It's a massive mane of hair, and uh, well done. But look, all jokes aside, uh, well, it's not really a joke because I genuinely think that New South Wales mm. is in. Any way yeah. I look at it is is dominant over um, this Queensland R- side. R- Ruben Cotter's also got a mullet. Does he really? Yeah, he does. He does. It's he, not in that picture. You, can't, but yeah. you can't really tell from the picture, but anyway, uh, yeah. I'm looking at the picture on NRL.com. Um, look, maybe that's maybe that is the case. Maybe he's got one at the moment. So look, that's even more reason why Queensland <laughs> has got mullet power uh, in their forwards. But look, you 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 do look at. The the strengths of Queensland at the moment are, in my mind, the backs. The back line has a very good mix of speed, experience, um, X factor, and stability. You know, winning attitude, winning knowledge. Munster, Cherry Evans. Uh, you know, and then you got Coates and Cobo. You know, the the youth factor there. Valentine Holmes and Gagai have the kind of experience over our centre pairing, for sure. What does that mean? I'm not really sure. I mean, Katoni Staggs is killing it at the moment at the Broncos. I can see him easily going through Dane Gagai um, if they match up against... I think they match up against each other on the same side of the field. So, um, Kalen Ponga, question marks over there, over his defence. He has had some absolute... He has bottled some very easy uh, tackles uh, as a last line of defence recently, and uh, I wonder whether whether we're going to see the same kind of thing happen in uh, State of Origin. Um, the only the strength really in, in in the Queensland lineup is Munster Cherry Evans, but really, how do you put them over Luai and Cleary? Um, the runs are on the board for the Panthers; they've been dominant all season. Um, you know. Queensland really are going to be relying very much on Munster to do everything to be creative and really Papali in the forwards to be uh, the the leader there, which he can be. So I'm not counting them out completely, but I think if you look at um, if you look at the stats, if you look at what they bring to the table, 
you know, there's uh, and the other thing is Capel and Kafusi. Uh, so again, the centre pairing and the second row pairing, I think, are the only kind of matchups uh, that Queensland you could say you give you you give them a tick, give them the the points over New South Wales, but elsewhere I think we would blow them off the park and and I think. Uh, yeah, I, I I am genuinely leaning towards another look, not a fifty to six drubbing or whatever it was last year, but it will be it will be a very, very big win for New South Wales if they put it together. And it's always that question of if. And this is why it's a prediction. Predictions don't always go right. But if everything goes to plan, I see New South Wales uh, really uh, dominating this uh, this uh, and that is without turbo, yes, without turbo. Uh, I still think we've got the the main elements that are there that uh, that can win us game one very easily. Um, look, Tish, what are your thoughts? And then we'll see if we've got some other thoughts before we uh, predict the rest of the uh, uh, the the key categories. What do you reckon? Yeah, look, um, if I start off on the forwards, um, Junior and Josh, you know, first twenty minutes they're going to go at it. You know, uh, Payne and Tino, it's kind of you know, big man on big man, all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, the dummy halves, obviously Damien Cook's so explosive, so fiery out of dummy half going up against Ben Hunt, who may not have that same uh, level, but he's going to be reliable, right? Then you've got the, um, you know, the second rollers. I think they, they, they all sort of bring the hard work rate. And, um, but then, yeah, look, uh, Ruben Cotter, he's a hardworking player too, but has a bit of X factor there and against Azaio, who's like reliable as well. So I think the forwards, it's going to be hard. I think it's going to be a tough struggle, right? He, he comes on. So I think the real advantage is the impact of, that Harry's going to have off the bench. Um, I really feel that that is going to um, just bring another element to, to the game. When Patrick Carrigan goes on, I mean, this is the other thing is that he is the link man at the Broncos. So he plays the traditional 5-8 role where he's linking, well, he's kind of linking the 5-8 and the halfback together all the time. And usually when the Broncos score a try, it's usually when they're seven and six pass to their one and then it creates space. But then the person who starts that is their 13. So I just wonder if all those players... um being free, you know, you, you got, you know, Cherry Evans and Munster combining with Ponga and, you know, uh, out the back to Valentine Holmes. I mean, th- that could be some really, that could be some really fiery stuff. And I, I think Selwyn yeah. Cobo as well has got that. He's, he's an Adokar. He's a very similar player, I feel, to Adokar. He's like a younger Adokar in many ways, right? He's, he could do things out there sometimes, which is absolutely extraordinary, right? Um. So I look at that, and I think Queensland, they've definitely got enough in their attack to score tries against New South Wales. I think New South Wales, um, you know, uh, are going to still win based on their defense. So, look, I, I, I predict maybe something around about an 18, 18, 14, 18, 16 type game. I don't think there's going to be that many tries um, between the teams. Um, so I think, yeah. I think a, a tight matchup, but I still would give the edge over New South Wales. I just think, you know, Cleary, Luai, Toho, Crichton when he's there, Tedesco can make things happen. Um, you know, I think all those type of combinations that we talked about um, could, could really, yeah, could, could in the end get them over the line a lot more. And, uh, yeah, and then you've also got Damien Cook, who is he the only South player? Uh, I think he's the only South guy in there, yeah. But, 
it's got nobody past it. But look, um, I, th- I think those combinations <laughs> at Penrith is going to be the engine room that's going to give them the victory. And um, you know, the first first game in in you know in a while that's been played on New South Wales soil for State of Origin. I think that's also going to give them the edge. Yeah, Murray as well. Don't forget. Oh yeah, Murray. That's Cameron it. Murray and Cook. Um, <clears throat> yeah, look, uh, yeah, look, some really good analysis there. I think that w- what we're seeing is really the pressure is on New South Wales, uh, and not mm. because you know in the past it was always about they, they've got their star studded, because definitely there are lots of stars in the Queensland squad, um, and there's there's enough you know going on. <clears throat> I think there's enough going on in New South Wales with uh, Addo Carr going missing and the centres pairing and a bit of instability in the in the second row as well. Different players, uh, uh, you know, forming the combinations there that that'll keep them interested. <laughs> It'll keep them kind of on on their toes, and maybe that's why Freddie did that. Maybe he was, maybe Josh Addo Carr was the sacrificial lamb rather than the Fox, uh, where he wanted to keep reminding this squad that if you don't perform, you're out. And and I think, I wonder whether maybe Freddie's a bit of a genius because in the past, what we, where New South Wales has gone wrong, um, you know, has been loyalty to a fault, <laughs> where players have not deserved to to get the loyalty, and uh, and and instead have been brought on board uh, despite the fact that they haven't really performed, and that has led to you know certain players not really performing when it counts, and knowing that they're not going to be dropped. Um, <clears throat> so I wonder whether maybe this is a a, a typical Brad Fittler, you know, two chess moves ahead of everyone else. Uh, it was probably his way of saying, look, I want these guys to realise that I will drop you if you drop your performance and uh, I need everyone to bring their A game. And on that basis, I think if I'm if, if we're going to wrap this up and let's look at some predictions now, as I said, uh, I predict it will be a, a very comfortable win for New South Wales. I'm predicting game one, they'll win 28 to 12. Um, and Tish, I'm going to throw it to you. I want uh, you. You said you're going to tip New South Wales, but what is your what score do you predict? We'll, we'll we will see. Okay, twenty three, twenty, twenty three, twenty. Okay. Yeah, somebody's going to kick a field goal. That's going to be meaningless at the end. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, and look, sticking with game one. Uh, MVP. So who's going to be the best player on the ground? I'm I'm picking Jerome Luai. I thought last year he was outstanding, but was overshadowed a bit by uh, by Turbo, the performance of Turbo and Cleary and, and a few others. I think Luai is the reason why they perform so well in the back line. I've said this so many times, but I think he'll prove it yet again. But this time, I think uh, he'll get his uh, his recognition. But uh, Tish, what about you? Who do you think is going to be named man of the match? Mm. How do you spell MVP? T E D E S C O Tedesco. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, that will be very interesting. I mean, yeah. certainly the risk at the moment. Who will be the game one first try scorer? I'm picking Brian Toll. 
he tends to be there in the mix as first try scorer. I think it'll be a simple move um, and uh, to the back line to him in the corner. Tish, what about you? Okay, I'm, I'm thinking about a kick and who's going to be at the end of that kick. I think Daniel Tupo, the giraffe. Right. Is that his name? <laughs> I don't know if that's, yeah. I don't even know. <laughs> um, all right. And look, let's while we're here, let's pick the series winner. Uh, do you have a prediction for who is going to win the entire series uh, and and by how much, I guess? So I'll let you have a first go. Yeah, well, the series, the real series winner is rugby league fans, wherever they are. Um, but in terms of the result, <laughs> I'd say New South Wales, I think it's going to be 2-1. All right. Well, I, I am going to pick New South Wales. Uh, but I'm thinking this time they'll get the clean sweep. Wow. And I th- I think they're going to be motivated to do it. I think last year they missed an opportunity. I know Cleary was injured, but I think they just uh, missed an opportunity there to really put them to the sword. And I think this year they're not going to um, they're not going to miss that opportunity. I think they'll get better and better as the series goes on. Uh, we may even see uh, some of the debutants sticking around. And I'm thinking Katoni might be the one he will have a big series as well. So there you go. That is my prediction. Those are our predictions. So let's move on to uh, tackle number five. We're going to talk about a big announcement that, uh, you know, synonymous with state of origin, uh, but rugby league in general. What's the big news out of uh, TV land? Well, look, a bit of a shock, uh, but not really as well. But rugby league icon Ray Warren has announced his retirement from sports commentary. So Ray Warren, the iconic rugby league commentator, announced his retirement, um, which ends, you know, a a broadcasting career that spans over half a century. Um, You know, he's commentated... Uh, 45 grand finals, uh, you know, as well as Origin. That's absolutely amazing. Um, And he's also done, and I do remember him, he's done three Olympics for Channel 9 as well as three Melbourne Cups as well. Um, And, yeah, apparently he started off his life, um, you know, by rolling marbles down a hill uh, in his hometown of Junee as a child and calling it like a horse race. Then he began, uh, you know, his broadcasting career in 1966 in Young for 2LF. Um, I think uh, within within three years, Warren then worked at uh, Sydney Station 2GB, uh, be- beginning his television rugby league career, actually for Channel 9 for the midweek uh, Amco Cup. Channel 10. Channel 10. Oh, Channel 10. Channel 10. Sorry, yeah. Channel 10 yeah, for, yeah. for, yeah. And, um, yeah, he's been a, a, an established chief NRL commentator for, you know, since the 90s. Uh, you know, I think famously the the Mark Coyne try, you know, that's not a try. That's a miracle call. Um, you know, his, his voice sort of lends himself to that. And, uh, you know, he's, he's just announced that he's got nothing to prove. Uh, it's been easy living. It, it's been easy living the commentary box 
Uh, it's been easy for him leaving the commentary, but each time he came back, he knew he was getting closer to making a fool of himself. Um, and <laughs> after I called last year's grand final between the Penrith and South, I walked out feeling like I'd done a good job. And I knew after that game, it was my last. So there you go. So look, firstly, I've got to say, look, uh, well done, Ray Warren. He's kind of, he is the voice of television regular league for me, um, yeah. you know, as a young child. So, and, uh, you know, I remember Daryl East, like I did like his voice as well. Um, but I think Ray Warren has had that long-lasting effect, and and now it's the new generation. You know, Matt Thompson and uh, Salty. I don't I don't know he's Peter Salters. I don't know what he's, but the other guy as well. So Matt Thompson and the other guy um, sort of doing the commentary for for uh, Channel Nine, and um, you know, but it's it's their turn now. But I think Ray Warren. Um, I think he's had a great career, and uh, you know, what are your thoughts on Ray Warren? Is he the is he is he better than the moose? I think that's what we need to know there, Doctor. Hey, what do you think? Oh, I think so. I think he's now. I mean, when you look at that that kind of record, he's a voice that you hear when when you when you hear the first time that you know, uh, so, you know the, the 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 Scotty Sattler tackle and, mm. and all these sort of, all these great memories the Benji Marshall yeah. pass. You know, there's so many uh, that that you remember. With you know, you hear Ray mm. Warren's voice. Um, he's got you know, he had in his prime definitely had that kind of great sort of deep voice, but also had such a sense of humor. And 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 look, one of the things that I really enjoyed when you pair him up with some of the crazy, um, you know, uh, crazy team there that they had when they they had the footy show etc. They had such a good camaraderie and and kind of you mm. know culture, good positive larrikin culture. It was all in good nature, good fun. There was a lot of uh, you know even feel good. A lot of people don't like feel good, but I think uh, when you put him together, it was it was very much uh, from a Ray Warren perspective. He was the professional mm. kind of voice. Yeah. Uh, the others brought analysis. The others brought um, knowledge of the game. The others brought a bit of fun, uh, you know, the camaraderie with players on the sideline and et cetera. But Ray Warren was the centrepiece. He was the key that brought it all together. He was, uh, you know, the um, uh, and and not just the professional voice, but he would not suffer fools. So, yeah. you know, he'd be the kind of person that he, you know, they the others would try and get him riled up, and he would just you could just almost hear him <laughs> through the microphone. You could almost imagine him scoffing and rolling his eyes at the shenanigans going on in the commentary box, just saying, come on, fellas, get on with it. And the other thing I should say is even just the fact that we are so comfortable mimicking his voice yeah, is like he, it's not that he's a caricature of himself. It's more that he is, uh, you know, when, so, when people want to tribute, and do impressions of you, you know that there's you've become iconic in a way, and yeah. that's what he is. And so, yeah, look, we're going to miss Ray Warren. I, I kind of wish that they would have um, announced his retirement on the day or that it, maybe he kind yeah. of thought over time things had gotten worse. Maybe he's got health issues. I'm not sure. Mm. But, um, yeah, it's kind of sad that there's not a, an event that you could say, okay, this is going to be the last one and yeah. that's it. Um but yeah, well done, Ray Warren. We are going to yeah. miss you, your voice, and I will. Like I said, I will always remember when you look back at old games, 
you're just going to remember that voice. And I can never forget the way he used to say Novocastrian. <laughs> words like that just really stick with me but anyway i'll let you have the last word and then we'll move on to our final tackle well i think you raised a good point i think this is probably the maybe a bit of a tip for the modern day commentator ray warren part of the reason why he's so good is uh, well a he's completely straight as in he's the straight man where he he, you know he's not going to bring up like a joke here or there about the bunker. He's just going to tell the story, right? That tell the story of what's happening in the game. That's what he's doing, and he does it with an iconic voice. You know, um, he's a voice that you could mimic. Like you know, if you, you know, everything that you said, that is Ray Warren, right? And then if you go down the street and you actually, uh, you know, coin, coin, like you know, people will know um, that you're trying to do a Ray Warren impersonation because your voice st- stands out. And I think too many of the commentators now all sound the same, <laughs> right? Um, and exactly. I, I, they all sound very professional, but they all sound the same. Yeah. 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 And um, I, I think the one, and he's kind of uh, a bit of a veteran now, is is Andrew Voss, right? Um, and I like Andrew Voss's commentary a lot, right? He's actually quite entertaining on the on on the um, you know, in the commentary. But the difference you could tell is that you know, with Ray Warren. He's not going to make the jokes that Andrew Voss makes while he commentates, right? So, um, so, 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 so I think I think it is a bit of an end of an era of that style of commentator, and you know, I really hope that um, you know this modern crop can sort of learn a lot from him. And uh, yeah, look, you know, uh, that's not a try; that's a miracle. Well done, Ray Warren. That's not a commentary. That's, yeah, actually, yeah. I, I didn't prepare anything, but. <laughs> That's all right. <laughs> yeah. Look, but, hopefully, hopefully one day we'll all, we're, we'll all say to our friends who uh, are trying to uh, do something or say something and we want to block them, we say, hold the phone, blocker. <laughs> you know, like, this, you need to, <laughs> we need to have more Ray Warren isms into our lives. And turn I think it up, we, Sterla. Is, is that one? Turn it up, Sterla. Sterla turn yeah. it up, fatty. <laughs> Give me a break, fatty. You know that kind of thing. Um, <laughs> let's. Let, <laughs> we should keep going forever, but let's stop. But look, Ray Warren. Uh, look, you have been a source of lots of entertainment, and I think, as I said, really honestly, I think the fact that there's so, I'm so willing to do an impression of him vocally, tells you how iconic his voice was and how. Uh, he how well regarded he was uh, he he is sorry he's not he's not passed away he's just retiring let's forget not forget that but he absolutely will be uh, remembered forever so uh, and a boy from Junie just like Daly uh, uh, Laurie Daly was so there you mm. go Junie uh, bring in the big guns there a um, lot of legends there born out of Junie all right let's move on to tack uh, to tackle number six where we uh, do our round thirteen tips here we go. Now, last week, I got six out of eight, and that brought me to 67 points. Um, but uh, Sorry, no, not 67. How many? 65 points. But you got eight out of eight, the first perfect round of the year for any of us. And wow. that brings you to 66. So you leapfrog me, and you are one ahead now. Let's quickly go through. It's a short round. It's a split round. Um, most of the teams have the buys except for these. Titans versus Cowboys. I am tipping the Cowboys. 
Uh, yeah, I'm going to tip the Cowboys as well. All right. Panthers v. Bulldogs. Uh, even with half the Panthers team in, in the Blues team, I think they'll yeah. still defeat the Bulldogs. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you on this one. I, I, I don't see how the Panthers could lose this game, but Panthers for mine. Yeah. Uh, Manly versus Warriors. And this is an interesting one because I actually think without Daly Cherry Evans, Manly going to struggle. So I think the Warriors will win this one. Okay. Yeah. Look, uh, I'm going to tip Manly. So Josh Schuster to uh, have a no. Yeah. He does so many no look passes. I think he's blind. <laughs> All right. Uh, Raiders versus Roosters. Um, look, yeah, this is going to be a tough one, but I think the Roosters will win. I think they've still got, you know, Sam Walker there that can guide the ship, and um, I think they'll win this one. Yeah, I mean, I'll, look, I'm going to tip the Raiders. I think just because they're at home, they're sort of in form, and I think, uh, you know, the Roosters are playing well too, but I feel like the Raiders, it's almost coming a must-win for them if they're going to play finals this year. All right. And as I said, the other team all have mm. buyers this week, which means they'll play in uh, – well, uh, they'll, they'll probably be a more full around after the State of Origin. Okay. And we both have tips New South Wales. So I'm, I'm recording that as a win, as a tip for us. Okay. And uh, Just on the Canberra Roosters game, maybe we should have a prediction on how many six agains because famously wasn't that <laughs> <laughs> this game final. So anyway, yeah. Fair enough. Um all right, look, I think that's it. That wraps up our big preview episode of State of Origin Game 1. And, of course, uh, another nod and farewell to a great career for Ray Rabbits Warren. Tish, uh, it's been an epic one. Enjoy Game 1. Uh, hopefully we'll have a, a bit of a special uh, special episode for the next uh, for, for Game 1 itself. So look out for that. And, Tish, over to you to wrap this up. Well, thank you, Dr. T. I'd like to thank everybody for listening. But that's all the time we have for this edition of the Rugby League Republic. We are your hosts, Tish and Dr. T. Join us next time on the Rugby League Republic. Bye for now.